please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, um, just for the opportunity to be able to gather together in your name um, as the people of God. And I pray that this morning as we walk through your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak. Um, Spirit, I ask that you would be in me, that you would move in me, that you would speak through me. And God, help us hear a word from you today. Lord, we love you and ask all your name, I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, thank you all. Thank you all for coming this morning. I know it's Labor Day weekend, and a lot of people are generally out on Labor Day, um, but we're excited to have you here this morning as to what Lance has coined as the early bird gets the word service. And so um, we're going to worship God this morning. We're going to um, get in his word and learn more about him. If you don't know who I am, once again, my name is Merrick. Um, I'm the college pastor here at First Baptist. I've been blessed for that opportunity and that joy, and hopefully you all will say the same after this year. Um, but just to start off this morning, I wonder, how many of you like to watch movies? I'm sure movies are probably pretty popular. Um, if you're like my family, we grew up watching movies all the time. Um, if I, I've probably seen Angels in the Outfield about 900 times. Our big problem is we didn't have many movies to watch, so we watched the same ones. Um, but it was kind of instilled at me at a very young age because my great-grandmother and my father's grandmother, I remember we used to go see her a lot whenever I was little. And anytime you went to great-grandmother Godwin's house, you always did two things. You watched a movie with her, and you watched a John Wayne movie with her. There was, no, there was no option as to what movie you could actually watch. John Wayne was second to Jesus, in her opinion. And, uh, but I remember one of my favorite movies that I got to watch growing up was, was Gladiator. Obviously, as a little kid, I didn't get to watch it, but I enjoyed watching Gladiator as I got older. And there's something about the whole movie that obviously, guys, men, we probably like because we like to feel like we're this warrior whenever really we're probably not, especially me. But um, anyway, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is at the very beginning where uh, Maximus Decimus Meridius, he's the general of this army. They're about to go into war, into battle. And he looks at, at his men right before they go in and he says, men, remember, what we do in life echoes into eternity. What we do in life echoes into eternity. He was telling these men, leave a legacy. Today, leave a legacy. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. What, what does it mean to leave a legacy? How can we leave a legacy that lasts? So if you would, please turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles chapter 22. <clears throat> if you have your Bible with you, if not, we'll have it up on the screen. <clears throat> and before I jump into 1 Chronicles 22, we kind of need a little bit of backstory to know what really is going on here. In, in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, this is after David has fought many battles, many wars, and it's get close to the end of his life. He looks at, at his own house, and he tells Nathan the prophet, he says, Why in the world am I living in this abundant and amazing house? And the Ark of the Covenant, what represents the house of the Lord, is just a tent. He said, Nathan, I want to I build a house for the Lord. I want to build something magnificent for the Lord. And Nathan says, go and do whatever's in your heart. And so um, David planned to, to build a house for the Lord. But that very night, God actually came to Nathan and said, tell David, David, you're a man of war. That's what I called you to do. You've shed too much blood to build my house. But I'm going to give you a son, and through him is how I'm going to build my house. And so God told David that I'm going to give you somebody, Solomon, and he's going to build the house of the Lord. And so 1 Chronicles 22, we're at the very end of David's life. And, and we're going to look at this passage and see, how did David leave a lasting legacy? What was one of the last things he wanted to tell 
his son. And from this, we're going to draw two primary conclusions. We're going to see, one, that we have to prepare the way for those behind us. And secondly, we have to pass on the charge to those behind us. If we want to leave a legacy that lasts, we have to prepare the way and we have to pass on the charge. Look at 1 Chronicles 22, verses 2 through 5. Or 2 through 4 first, sorry. It says this, David commanded to gather together the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel. And he set stone cutters to prepare dressed stones for building the house of God. David also provided great quantities of iron for nails for the doors of the gates and for clamps, as well as bronze in quantities beyond weighing. And cedar timbers without number for the Sidonians and Tyrians brought great quantities of cedar to David. So first we see David, once again, he's at the very end of his life, and he's been told you're not going to build the house of God. Your son's going to build it. But we notice that David, even though he's at the very end, he's not just sitting and saying, okay, that's, that's Solomon's job. No, he's preparing all these materials. He's getting all these materials from what you can see from far places away, and he's preparing the way so that his son can build the temple. One of the things that David understood, and one of the reasons we admire him so much, is he was a man who lived life with purpose. And he understood, as long as I'm on this earth, I have a purpose. As long as I'm on this earth, there's a work to do. I might not be able to build the temple, but there's a work to do. Not only did he recognize that there's a work to do, but look at verse 5. For David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, of fame and glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. So we see first, David wanted to provide all these materials. He wanted to do this work. He wanted to start this work because Solomon was young and inexperienced. And basically he was saying, my son needs all the help he can get. Um, scholars guess that Solomon was around the age of 12 whenever he became king. So he was extremely young. And David, being this great king, knew what it would take to build this house for the Lord. He knew that there was a work to do. As long as he was on this earth, there was a work to do. But why? What is the real reason why David got all these materials together? It wasn't just because of his son but it says he knew that the work of the Lord had to be exceedingly magnificent. David knew that this work that he was doing, that this house that was going to be built, had to be exceedingly magnificent. Whatever's done for the Lord has to have significance. It's not just a normal work. It's not just an ordinary work. He says the house of the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent. Not just exceedingly magnificent, but he says there's a purpose for this. The goal of doing God's work is so that he can get fame and glory throughout all the land. See, David knew that God was worthy of all glory and all honor. And for us, if, if we're looking to prepare the way, if we're looking to leave a legacy and have a legacy that lasts, we have to understand as long as we're here, there's a work to do. As long as we're here, there's a purpose that we're here. If God didn't want you here, my friend, you'd be gone. <laughs> but God has given us a reason to be, be here. There's much work to do. In Ruston, there's much work to do. In Louisiana, there's much work to do. We all know there's a lot of work to do in America. There's a lot of work to do all around the world. And we have to recognize this isn't just some ordinary work. This isn't just a normal task. This is extraordinary. This is a divine commission from God. It should humble us to know that God's chosen method for reaching the world is us. 
Jesus did his part. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus gave us this gospel message. 2 Corinthians 5 says, now you take this ministry of reconciliation and you live as ambassadors. Go and take it to the world. One of my favorite preachers to listen to, even still, is a man by the name of Adrian Rogers. I'm sure many of you probably have heard of him. If you haven't, Adrian Rogers was an excellent pastor out of Memphis. He um, was known for his booming voice, and a lot of people said whenever he speaks, you can tell that God speaks. Um, but, but one of the things I love about him is I heard a story about the very last chance he ever got to speak. Um, he got invited to this big conference, <clears throat> and he went there, and um, as he got introduced to come up and preach in front of all these thousands of people, um, the guy who introduced him just began to talk about his accomplishments and all the things that he'd done. And as Adrian Rogers started to walk up on the stage, everybody began clapping. And while he stood in the pulpit, everybody stands up and they clap. They're clapping for this man and everything that he's done in his life. But there's one thing Adrian Rogers knew. He knew that the glory wasn't for himself. One of his favorite stories he talks about numerous times is, is the time whenever God, uh, Jesus Christ, whenever he was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And if you don't remember the story, Jesus says, tells his disciples to go and get a young colt, and he was going to ride him into Jerusalem. And these people were there applauding Jesus. They were applauding him because they thought he was the king about to come in and whoop the Romans and take him over, but they didn't realize he was also going to be their savior in a different manner. But as Adrian Rogers is standing up there and people continually clap and continue to clap, he finally gets them quiet. And the first thing he says is this, nobody clapped for the donkey. Nobody clapped for the donkey. But they were clapping for the Savior that was riding on the donkey. See, he knew something. The work he did was magnificent. It was a great work. It was a significant work. And he had to go and do it. But he also knew he was just the donkey. His job was to take this ministry, to take this gospel as far as he could possibly take it. Not for the glory of Adrian Rogers, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. If we're looking to leave a legacy that lasts, we have to put our hand to the plow and work as long as we're here because it's significant and we have to do it all for the glory of God. Like I said, the first thing we see is David's preparing the way, but then we also see he passes on the charge to his son. But we can't pass on what we don't possess, right? We have to live this life for God in order to pass this on. There's nothing more contagious than a believer who's living for the gospel. There's nothing more contagious than a man or a woman who's on fire for God. There's nothing more contagious than to see someone who's given their life for the only thing that truly matters, the only legacy that can possibly last. The second thing is we have to pass on the charge to those behind us. Look at what um, David does next. Look at verses 6 through 10. It says this, Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood before me on this earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. So what we're seeing here is, is David calls Solomon in. I can only imagine this, this young boy walking in. And he tells Solomon, son, there's something that I've wanted to do, but God told me 
Um, it's not in the cards for me. You're going to be the one to do it. And he's passing on this charge to his son. Um, and we can't just merely go and do the word and expect, you know, people will see me and they'll come follow. No, this gospel message is meant to be passed on to the people after us. My papa, I'm extremely close to my mom's dad. He, he passed away about a year and a half ago. And I can remember growing up, I was always at his house. I loved to hear his stories. Um, they always made fun of me because supposedly whenever I'd get there, I'd put two chairs face to face each other, touch him, and I'd sit down and ask Papa to come sit down and tell me a story. But Papa, several years before he passed away, he started to lose his memory. And he decided, you know what, before I lose my memory, I want to write something that I can give to my grandkids. I want to write something that they can remember. I want to write the stories. I mean, he was in the war. He was in three different branches of the military. I mean, he had stories for days, and he was quite an interesting boy. So he had very funny stories for us. And so he, he had my mom come by. My mom, he would tell mom something, and she would just type it. And she got about eight pages in before he really said, that's all I can remember. And so they sent it out to all the grandkids. And I can remember whenever I first got it, I opened it up, and I began to read it. And you know what the first thing was my papa decided to tell his grandkids and anybody else would be passed on to? He told us his salvation story. You know what that does for a grandkid to hear their grandfather tell them, look, before I get into any other stories of life, I'm going to tell you what's of most importance. I'm going to tell you about the time I went to a camp and how this speaker, he got up and he preached the gospel and it moved me so much. that I remember whenever I went back to to the barracks that night, and we went to go to sleep, there was more than one of us who were on our knees praying, God, before I go to sleep, I need to get this right. And I love how Papa puts it. He said, if you do have never made this decision in your life, don't read any further, because the rest isn't going to matter. Don't read any further. Get this right before you move on. What exactly was he doing? Is he was passing on the charge. He was passing it on to me. And, and just to be clear, David is passing it to his son. My papa was passing it to his grandson. But this isn't just meant to be passed to blood relatives. If we're all brothers in Christ, and this is what the church is supposed to be doing, older people passing on the charge to younger people. That's why we need people in children's worship and youth ministry and college ministry. You'll definitely hear me keep saying that. College ministry. We need people's help for older, more mature believers to come in and pass on the charge. My wife and I have been married for three years. We look up all the time. Give us wisdom. Pass on the charge. People in their 40s and 50s and 60s are always looking to have the charge passed on to them. As long as we're here, we must be passing on this gospel and passing on this truth. The beauty of the way David did it, though, is he didn't just say, hey, here, Solomon, go do this work. But he ended with giving him four principles or four keys to success. He says, Solomon, you need these four things if you want to succeed. And they were this. First, it was, you need the Lord's help. Second, he said, you need the Lord to grant you wisdom and understanding. Third, he said, obedience is what God blesses. And fourth, he said, do not fear anything when God is on your side. So first, once again, he says, you need the Lord's help. Look at verse 11. He said, now, my son, the Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. See, one thing David knew is, I'm sure as he's looking at the body language of his son, is, look, this is too big for you. If you go and you try and do this on your own power, it's not going to work. If you try and do this in your own might, it's not going to work. You need the Lord to be with you. 
And this is exactly what we see all throughout the Gospels. John 15, 5, Jesus, right before um, he, he's crucified, he tells his disciples, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, that is who will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. I think the scariest thing in ministry I heard a guy say is sometimes you could take the Spirit of God out of our churches and they might not look any different. The truth is, is we have to rely on the power of the Lord. Whenever we pass on the charge to other people, we have to tell them, you need the Lord to be with you. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Right now I'm reading through Jeremiah, and it's, it's interesting to see how God is just using Jeremiah to continually speak to his people because they won't repent. Um, at one point, it's really heartbreaking to see. He says, you're, you're so calloused, you're not even ashamed of your sin. You don't even know that you're sinning. You've been doing it so much. And, and at one point in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 10, 23, he says this, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, for it is not in man to direct his own steps, for he cannot. It is not upon ourselves to direct and live the way that we want to live. We go as God calls us. We live as God calls us. And the beauty is, is if we know the Lord is leading us, wherever we go, he is with us. We have to pass this on. The Lord has to be with you. He says, Solomon, you need the Lord's help. The second thing he tells him, he says, Solomon, you need the Lord to grant you wisdom and understanding. Look at verse 12. It says, only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. When he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. You may remember this. If not, just a fresh um, recollection of it is in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon gets a very unique experience that we don't see anywhere else. Um, God comes to him in a dream and he says, ask for anything. Solomon, what do you want? This is right after he became king. He's a young boy and God comes to him in a dream and says, ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. And do you remember what Solomon says? He goes, oh, Lord, this people that you've given me is as numerous as the sand of the sea. How am I to do this? What I want to ask is give me wisdom and understanding to go out and to come in and to govern this great people of yours. Where do you think Solomon heard that? Where do you think Solomon, as a young boy, heard you need the Lord to grant you wisdom and understanding if you're to do this work? And the question is, is what are we giving people? What are we passing on to the next generation? What are we saying? You need this to work. You've got to have a good education. Okay, yeah, that's good. You've got to have a PhD. Okay, that's, that's great. You need to have a great career. You need to have a successful job. You need to make a lot of money. You need, you need, are we passing on the one thing that is more than all that? What do you need to succeed in this life? You need the wisdom and understanding that only comes from God. We don't have a book that's merely about God. We have a book that's given to us from God. There's a distinct difference in this. We have the wisdom of God here in this book. There's nothing we face that we don't have the answer. There's nothing you come up against that you don't have the wisdom and the discretion to get through. If you look at this and you read this and you study this and you meditate on this, we have to do this and we have to pass it on because we cannot do this alone or in our own understanding. So he said, you need the Lord to grant you wisdom and understanding. The third thing he says is obedience is what God blesses. Obedience is what God blesses. Look at the first part of verse 13. After he says, 
about wisdom and understanding. He says, then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. He said, you will prosper if you obey. See, I think that, that growing up, I always thought, Lord, I'm so talented. You could really use me. Or, or God, man, I've got some ability. You can really use me. But, but that's completely wrong. God doesn't need people with greater ability. God doesn't need people with greater talent. God doesn't need people for anything. All he needs you to be is obedient. God blesses obedience and likeness to him much more than he does any talent or ability. And this is exactly what David is telling Solomon. You will prosper if, and I dare say he would say only if, you obey the Lord. You know, we can do all these other things. We can stay in God's word and we can read it and we can listen to it. But if we merely are hearers and not doers, that's the opposite of the direction we want to go. We're not looking to just grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding. We're looking to go and actually put it to practice, put feet on this message. That's how we take the ministry to the world. That's how we make a difference in Ruston and in Louisiana and to the whole world. Because we have to obey and we will prosper. Now, just a clarification, prosper, as I'm sure many of you know, doesn't mean money-wise or wealth-wise. I think it means this legacy will. You can be a part of this. You can be a part of something bigger than yourself. If you obey and you live for the Lord. If you don't, then it's not going to happen. And the fourth thing we see is he tells them, do not fear anything when God is on your side. Know who your strength comes from, Solomon. We see at the very end of verse 13, he says this, be strong and courageous. Fear not, do not be dismayed. You know, I wonder why David would have waited to the very end to give this charge. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear, do not be dismayed. One of the things I'm guessing is more than likely he was looking at a 12-year-old boy who's looking up at him like, Dad, this is too big. Dad, are you kidding me? I'm just 12. How, how am I to lead these people? How am I to build this great work of God? You have all these materials. I can't even look at all of them. It's so much. I don't have what it takes to complete the task. And the beauty is, as David said, yeah, you don't. You have to know who your strength comes from. There's no reason to be afraid whenever God's on your side. I heard a story one time that I think really kind of helps illustrate this point of this family who had to move from one house to another. And uh, they, they had the movers, and, and then they got everything inside, and they put it all down, and the wife wasn't there, so the husband kind of situated everything where he wanted it. We know that's a bad idea. And so the, the wife comes home, and she looks in the living room, and, I mean, there's stuff all over the place, and he thinks it looks good. But she says, no, 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 no. This needs to be here. That needs to be there, and rightfully so. I know how well my wife decorates and how badly I don't decorate. But, but she says, this furniture needs to be on the other side. And he's thinking, man, that's the biggest piece of furniture in the house. Okay, so the movers are gone, so he's slowly pushing, and he's doing his best to push this furniture across the floor on the carpet, and it's barely sliding, and his three-year-old son walks up and says, Dad, can I help you? No, okay, you're not going to tell a three-year-old, no, you can't help your dad, right? So he says, sure, son, go ahead and get right here and, and start pushing. And so they're pushing, and, and the dad's pushing on top. Obviously, he's the one doing the work, and the son's just there grunting and exerting. You know how over-exaggerated a three-year-old can be. But at one point, the three-year-old stops and looks up at his dad, and he goes, Dad, can you move? You're getting in my way. 
And the dad's like, what, what is this kid talking about? I'm the one pushing this whole thing. Whenever we're doing the Lord's work, we're the three-year-old. It doesn't go forth because we're the driving force. No, it goes forth because God is the one who's moving it forward. And this is one of the things David's trying to tell Solomon. You will not succeed because of you. Your strength is not from you. The task ahead of you is never as strong as the power behind you. Because whenever God wants you to do something and he charges you to work, he will see it through. And if you want to be a part, be the three-year-old, hop on and start pushing. There's a work to do. You know, I think that one of the difficult things in even looking at this is, is, you know, how can I be the one who passed on the charge? How can I be the one to prepare the way? We've all made mistakes. We're not perfect. I think about this as I'm preparing it. I'm like, man, you know, I only have a seven-month-old son. <laughs> you know, how am I going to prepare the way for him? I'm about to lead college students. How can I prepare the way for them? I'm not perfect. But the beauty is, is we can look at David's life and tell he wasn't either, right? But David was a man who continually sought the Lord. When he failed, and he did fail, he repented. And at the end of his life, he was able to prepare the way for his son. There's a work that's got to be done. He was able to, to pass on this charge to his son. And tell him, son, you need the Lord's help. You need his wisdom and understanding. You need to be obedient and understand you got the strength of God behind you. There's nothing to fear. At the very end of this, um, you see in the end of verse 16, he says this, arise and work. It's time. Arise and work. And I think the, the neat thing is if you flip over and you go into Second Chronicles, a few chapters, you see that, that Solomon does. He becomes king. He asks for wisdom and understanding, and he gets to work. He does this. He builds this house of the Lord. And if you read through it, it is magnificent. I mean, you read it, and you're like, I don't even understand all the units they're using here, but I know it's big. He made a magnificent and exceedingly glorious house for the Lord. But why? Because first off, he was commissioned by the king, King David. And y'all, here's the truth. We've been commissioned by the king. Not just King David, not just the king of Israel, but the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ came. He's prepared the way for us. He ends his whole life in ministry by saying this. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Let me translate that. I've prepared the way. I've prepared the way. This is a significant work. You have to continue this. You have to take this gospel. You have to take this ministry of reconciliation. It doesn't end here. In Acts 1, I love how right after Jesus ascends, um, you see the disciples, it says they were just standing there looking in the sky. And finally somebody says, hey, he's going to return the same way. Go and do something now. Just like David said to Solomon, arise and work. It's the truth for us. It's time to work. We may look around and we see, man, this world is in trouble. Y'all, the power behind us is much greater than anything we're going to face. Jesus has prepared the way, but not only has he prepared the way, but he's passed the charge onto us. He continues and says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And the best part of it all, he says, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a magnificent work we've been called to. This is a significant work we've been called to. Greater than anything else we could do in this life is to live the ministry of reconciliation, preparing the way for the next generation, preparing the way for the people right behind us in our jobs, in our ministries, wherever we're at. 
And if we do this, we take this task from the Lord and we run with it, we truly will leave the only legacy that can last. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again, Lord, because of your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. I thank you we can open it up, God, and hear a word from you. Lord, I pray that that as we go through this text and we see how David has prepared the way and passed on the charge to his son, Lord, we would examine our own lives and see what am I doing now to prepare the way for those behind me? How am I living? We can't pass on what we don't possess. God, help us rely on you. Help us look to you as our leader. Help us look to you as the ultimate example of how to do this. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen. You know, there may be several different ways that, that you need to respond to this. I know for me, as I began to read this and began to study this, God convicted my heart to look around. So, Mary, look around. Who's, who's wanting to grow and pour into them? You might not be that wise yet. You might still be young, but pour. Pour what you've got. You know, maybe that's what you need to see this morning. Maybe, maybe you're living now, but there's nobody you're pouring into. That's our commission. That's our job is to pour in those around us. And once again, we can't pass on what we don't possess. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I've heard about this gospel. I've heard about this work, but I'm not a part of it. I hope this morning that you would become a part of it, that you would ask Christ to save you because he will, and that you would jump on to the only legacy that can last. We'll have ministers down here in the front. Please um, respond as you feel necessary.